grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Other, re other religions revere the graves of those who founded their religions. That in and of itself, knowing that their founders of their religions are dead, ought to be enough of a reason for them to stop following those religions. The ones who started Islam, Mormonism, and the Jehovah Witnesses are dead. They are mortal, which also shows what type of a religion that they have invented. One that will not last and one that is mortal. However, it is much different with Christianity. The triune God is the creator. He isn't the creation. Christianity is not an invention of man, but salvation is authored by God the Father, accomplished by God the Son, and then applied to us by God the Holy Spirit. It would be interesting to visit the Holy Lands to see where Jesus walked the face of the earth. So just as people make pilgrimages in other religions to see where their founders are buried, it would be interesting for us to see where some of the patriarchs are buried in the promised land. Or it'd be interesting to see the various places where our Lord Jesus Christ walked the face of the earth. But while going to the promised land does not make us holier, it certainly would give the opportunity to see some places where very important biblical accounts took place. Imagine crossing that book Kidron and going up the Mount of Olives to see the place where Jesus was betrayed at the Garden of Gethsemane, his place where he had prayed, and then also to the place where he had ascended. Of course, there are no bones or relics on display of our Savior Jesus, because he, unlike the founders of all the other religions, lives. It would be even more interesting to have Jesus, to have been there when Jesus was conducting his public ministry to see Jesus in action, to hear the preaching that he had preached, to witness the miracles that he was performing, to taste that wine that he had created from water. But God has chosen a time and a place for all things, and he has chosen us to live in the here and the now right here in this place and in this time. He has chosen for us not to live in previous generations. And in fact, we don't even live in our own pasts. It would be nice to see face to face in this life, for him to dwell in his flesh in our past. It would be nice, I'm sure many think, if only he would not have ascended, then we could see him in his own But if you think about it, not only had the scriptures prophesied that Jesus would ascend, we spoke, we, we, we prayed Psalm 47, which prophesied that 
God, our King, has gone up with a shout, and as a result, we sing praise to our Lord. We sing praises, suggesting that this ascension is a good thing. How would it work had he not ascended? What would it look like if he were still walking the face of this earth? In his ministry before Christianity caught on worldwide, Jesus already lamented that there was no place for him to lay his head. Crowds would be pressing about him, making it difficult for people to hear the word that he proclaimed. Many did not want to listen to the word that he preached. They only wanted to witness and perform a miracle. So that might be all people would be looking for today. And others, of course, jealous of his nature, jealous of who he truly is, jealous of the preaching by which he preached, were seeking to kill him. And such polarization that was so that is so common today, obviously, was going on back then. Leading up to Holy Week, there were some who were seeking to kill Jesus. They were scandalized when Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. In fact, they were so scandalous by that that they were seeking to also find a way to kill Lazarus because he is a living testimony of the resurrection and the power of God in the person Jesus Christ. Then comes Palm Sunday. The crowd was following Jesus. These people were impressed by our Lord's ability to raise Lazarus, and they give Jesus that royal treatment which is fit for a king, laying down those palm branches, laying down their cloaks, and shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Proclaiming that he is their Savior. On Palm Sunday, maybe some of you actually heard me whisper a Palm Sunday hymn before the service began. I found myself doing amount, in part because I chose to quote a Palm Sunday hymn tonight. On Palm Sunday, we sing in the final verse of the hymn, Ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp, ride on to die. Bow thy meek head to mortal pain, then take, O God, thy power reign. In this single stanza, we hear of Palm Sunday, we hear of Good Friday, we hear an echo of Easter, and we hear also singing of his own ascension. Jesus rides into Jerusalem demonstrating his kingly office, but yet he rides into Jerusalem for a purpose that goes beyond what most people thought he should be doing because they did not, even though they said, save us, they did not see how he saved them by making reconciliation for iniquity, by redeeming them through the shedding of his blood, they wanted an earthly savior who would provide temporary relief, one who would give them independence from the Romans, as we can even hear in our reading from Acts tonight. Lord, this time will you, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? We know you're capable of all things. 
would you please now give us that independence that we have been seeking for? And even to this day, people are seeking independence for a particular nation and particular people group, claiming that that is God's plan and God's design because they think Jesus will come back and reign from within Jerusalem. That is not his plan. He said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons. And so he answers her question by ascending up into heaven, demonstrating that he has not come to be an earthly king, but instead he serves as the king of kings. He has his kingdom here on earth, the church, his kingdom of grace. He has his kingdom in heaven among the saints who have gone before us and dwell with him, resting from their labors, the kingdom of glory. And because Jesus is king of all things, he has his kingdom of power. But for Jesus to do this, as we sang in lowly pomp, right on to die, bow, bow thy meek head to mortal pain, then take, O God, thy power and reign. And so Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, went to the cross to take away the sin of the entire world, redeeming sinful mankind from that unbearable burden of our sin. We certainly have many sins to confess. And we need Jesus to be our Savior to take them away. No one who is imperfect can come before the presence of God and live. And God does demand perfection. In fact, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount said the same thing. You shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But we are not perfect. And so we plead guilty of our sin. We receive the absolution, the forgiveness of our sins. And God, who is faithful and just, cleanses us of our sin and all, of all unrighteousness. He doesn't just take our sin away, but he also covers us with the very righteousness of Christ, and he declares us to be innocent, not guilty, that we are justified. When we have sins which weigh us down, we are invited to go to our pastor and confess our sin. Pastors will not reveal the sins confessed to the pastors, for, they, for those sins are forgiven. They are completely gone. And pastors have vowed in their ordination that they will not reveal them. In the right of individual confession and absolution, we confess the following. I, a poor sinner, plead guilty before God of all sins. I have lived as if God did not matter and as if I mattered most. My Lord's name I have not honored as I should. My worship and prayers have faltered. I have not let his love have its way with me. And so my love for others has failed. There are those whom I have hurt and those whom I have failed to help. My thoughts and desires have been soiled with sin. Then if there are particular sins that we wish to confess, we may at that time do so. But does not this confession of sin describe us all? Is this not a fitting confession for each and every one of us? And does it not get to the very core of our self-absorbed ways? 
Jesus has carried these sins to the cross. He has paid for them all there. He knew that that is our nature and that would be our ways, and yet he was willing to bear them all so that you can be reconciled to God, your heavenly Father, so that the gates of heaven will be open to you, and so that you will be justified and added into God's family by baptism, and so that Christ becomes your brother. You are elevated to that status. We rejoice in that reality. By faith in Christ, does not, God does not see us in our sin any longer. But because our sin has been taken away, forgiven, and we are now covered in the very righteousness of, our, of, of Christ, he sees us, God sees us as being perfect. God views us as being acceptable to heaven. And so now we have access to heaven itself. Such a blessing, all because Jesus went into Jerusalem and died on the cross on our behalf, taking our sin away. And so in the last line of hymn, we sing, Then take, O God, thy power and reign. In that Palm Sunday hymn, we are rightly calling Jesus God, and we acknowledge that his death does not end in death, but Christ is risen, and he not only rose, but he ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God the Father where he reigns. Well, it might be interesting to see spots where Jesus could have been crucified and buried in Jerusalem. That certainly is not as wonderful as knowing that Jesus still makes his presence among us and that we can go to the place where he himself has gone. Instead of going to a cemetery, we gather in God's house. For Christ Jesus, who has ascended, still comes into our presence. You see, Jesus is with us always, even to the end of the age. By ascending into heaven... Jesus did not, as the reform claim, simply localized himself in heaven. And because he has a body, he can't be present everywhere, as the reform claim. But instead, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he ascended so that he would fill all things and so that he would be present everywhere. At times in his public ministry, Jesus would retreat to a secluded place. Sometimes from the busyness and craziness of our lives. Ironically, we have a refuge here in this life. In fact, that refuge, as much as we may want to take refuge in places that we enjoy, the best refuge is right here, in this place, in God's house. Yes, it is true, as we congregate together, for some of us, we are around more people when we gather in God's house than we are throughout the rest of the week. But 
God's holy sanctuary, we are not met with the hustle and bustle of life. Instead, we slow down. We focus and word preach to us. We take time to pray. We take time to sing. We take time basking and rejoicing that we are met with Christ's very presence through saving word and sacrament. When Jesus ascended into heaven, it was not so that he could finally escape the crazy and busy world and avoid it forever. For he, of course, has not left us alone. He knows what life He knows what we face. He hears the prayers of his saints. He hears your prayers. And our Lord Jesus Christ, who has not left us alone, he comes to us through his word. He has joined us to himself through the waters of holy baptism as we have been united to his death, dying to sin, and united to resurrection, rising to newness of life. And in the Lord's Supper, he unites himself, his very body and his blood to the bread and wine, so that he joins himself also to us as we receive this most holy and remarkable reality that our Lord Jesus Christ ascended is not gone, but he is here, joining himself to sinners as we receive him through his body and through his blood. In this, Jesus is forgiving us as he forgave the apostles after rebuking them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, for they had not believed the eyewitness reports of those who had seen that Christ was risen. Remarkably, Jesus after rebuking them, commanded them to preach the gospel to all creation, and that whoever believes baptized will be saved. That God offers salvation through the preaching of this word and through baptism. Jesus then speaks of the fiery trials that they will face, encountering demons, enduring snakes, drinking poison. Some will be getting sick. But Jesus announces that he will be with his disciples, even though ascended, helping them through their trials all along the way. And in the same way, the ascended Jesus is with us. He is our good shepherd. He is our Emmanuel. Yes, he sits at the right hand of the Father. But in doing so, he puts all enemies of the gospel under his feet as his footstool, granting the victory to his own. If you want to go to the promised land to see the various sites that our Lord walked, go right ahead. I hope to someday. If you have already gone, enjoy your memories of that place. But know that the nearest place to be in the presence of Jesus is not over in Israel. But it is right here in God's house for Jesus comes to you with his grace and he blesses you through his word and sacrament and he delivers you that gift. uh, He delivers you the gifts that only a king can deliver. 
For you are his redeemed, restored, and you are forgiven. Thanks to God. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, to life everlasting.